If y'all didn't know, I started out in the sound booth. Who said that was my sister of all people, my sister. Yeah, that's a running joke. I've not. How long has it been since I've said that long time? Oh, come on. I'm taking notes now of uh, who I need to get back. Bill Olinghouse is one. My sister's the other. So, okay. Is that scriptural? Vengeance? God says vengeance is. No, is. Sorry. Okay, Lord. We're glad you're here. God bless you. I would encourage you. When you see that I'm a little stirred up in my worship this morning and. This morning, first service was good, but second service, it kind of took on a whole nother level. And, you know, as your pastor, you kind of think, oh, what are people going to think when we're jumping up and down and the kids are running around? But you know what? And I've struggled just personally with and don't take this the wrong way, Rita Marie, but with my kids dancing, do people look at it and think, oh, he's just trying to make a spectacle out there with his kids and he allows that. And, you know, the Lord showed me this morning. That's what he wants. That was, I don't want to say that was the only picture that he, I'm not saying that, but that was a picture of what happens around the throne of God. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I love it. And the Lord says, let the little children come. And, you know, I, I just encourage you when something happens that might stretch you out of the box a little bit, don't shut it off right away. Try to, try to line it up with scripture. Does this go against scripture? Does this agree with what the word of God says? What really does your spirit say? Not what your flesh says. Because your flesh is going to want to react one way. Your spirit's going to react another way. So I encourage you when the pastor's up here jumping up and down, don't shut off and think, "Uh oh, where's he going with that? You say, do I line up with that? Does the scripture line up with that? Does his word, does his spirit line up with that? I'm not saying I do everything right, but you do need to weigh everything that's coming into your ears and into your eyes. And don't turn it off so quick. You might miss something. We don't want to miss it. And I'm I'm with you. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to not express my my worship or my spirit in the way that God wants me to because I'm afraid of how people are going to react. I would rather risk everything and do what God wants than to worry about what the consequences are going to be. And I encourage you, jump on board with me. Amen? All right. It was a little bit of a stretching, but I think, you know, the Lord Lord does not leave us where we are. Praise God. I don't want to be where I was. I want to be where he wants me to be. And he works out all things for my good. What you're going through right now and what you're struggling so hard with, if you will turn to God, he is going to work that out for your good. As bad as it may seem. Too good to be true. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Bertie Britt calls the gospel, the gospel, the the too good to be true gospel. All right, core core values. Last week we had a special service with uh, Dr. Robert Owens and United Voices of Praise, and I want to just give a little bit of a praise report. We we hit an all time high on attendance. We hit over four hundred people for the first time in our church history. So I just want to just Amen. <laughs> praise God. We need to get excited for something. It's good to see the Lord's growing. Growth should, means life. When something stops growing, it's not alive. 
So praise the Lord. I just I felt like last week was just a great unifying, um, diverse Sunday that just was uh, personally, I just thought it was exactly what the Lord wanted for that day. But we started talking two weeks ago about core values and how important it is that, that you stop for a minute and say, do I have values? Do I have morals? You know, there's this song by Aaron Tippin. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You got to stand for something. What are your values? And we started two weeks ago to look at what are core values of a Christian? What are core values of church on the hill? And we started looking at Matthew 5. If you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 5. And we're going to reread this scripture again. But this scripture talks about salt and light. And I, I computed this to mean integrity and influence. What is it? Integrity. Integrity, if you remember from two weeks ago, is incorruptibility. Now, I want to ask you real quick, just to size yourself up. What, uh, first, I want to ask you, are you a person of integrity? You say, oh, yeah, I am. I'm a person of integrity. Okay, are you incorruptible? We're going to figure out, are you or aren't you? We're not. You are. I'm not sitting here looking at you and sizing you up. I'm sizing me up. Are you incorruptible? Are you sound? Another word for this is soundness, completeness, trustworthy. Are those characteristics that you have? And then we looked at influence. You know what influence means? It means to have an effect on the condition or the development of. You're going to see as I go through this sermon, you influence people. Whether you know it or not. The question is, how do you influence them? How are you influencing the people that you're around? Now, in Matthew 5, the Lord has just finished talking about the Beatitudes. Very powerful scripture. If we can, we're going to pick it up in verse 13. It says, you, everybody say you. You know who you is? You is me. Everybody say me. Y'all are kind of here. Kind of. You are like salt for everyone on earth. But if salt no longer tastes like salt, how can it, how can it make food salty? All it is good for is to be thrown out and walked on. But look at this again. He says it again. Everybody say, you. I say, me. Me are like light. That doesn't, it's not good grammar. I are like light. Am. You are like light for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden. And no one would light a lamp and put it under a clay pot. A lamp is placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. You are the salt. Not somebody else for you. You are salt. You are light. I read this two weeks ago. Let me read this to you again and just hang in there with me. Man has increased in scientific, medical, historical, educational, psychological, and technological knowledge to an astounding degree. Would you all agree? How many knows that if you've got a phone, right now you could have a phone, and if I ask you a question, you could find out probably a hundred things about that one thing in just a moment. Right here in church. Sit here and browse the internet. Since we've had the internet, you know, the information is increasing at the highest rate ever. Ever. And if you ask me a question about something, I could Google it and find out in about a minute. When have we ever as a nation or as a 
her people ever had that opportunity. All this stuff has increased. If you get a little sore on your arm, you can Google it and find out what it is. I'm sure doctors cringe at the fact that we are kind of now medicating ourselves, Or we think we are. Are, are y'all here? Okay. How many here have looked up a medical thing for you and you didn't go to the doctor? You just dealt with it yourself? I'm sure doctors cringe. Then they have to clean up the mess. Whatever you've done, whatever remedy you've put on it, molasses and butter and whatever, <laughs> lemon juice, Windex, put Windex on it. If you've ever seen my big fat Greek wedding, <laughs> that's his remedy, put Windex on it. But all this has increased, but man has not changed his own basic nature and he has not improved society. Man's knowledge has greatly improved, but his morals have progressively degenerated. His confidence has increased, but his peace of mind has diminished. Modern man has simply invented more ways to corrupt and destroy himself. Can you see that where the world is going isn't forward? We think the internet is so great, but think of the things that the internet has opened doors to that we didn't have doors. I'm talking about darkness. I'm talking about the negative. There's so many things we have access to that we never had access to before. You can find out how to build a bomb. I'm not going to go any further. That's, you can find that out. Don't go Google that. FBI will find out that you Googled that. Did you know they watch what you look at? Do you know God watches what you look at? He knows what you're looking at. But last, last time we talked about salt. What does it mean to be salt? We sit here and say, you are the salt. Okay, I'm the salt. What does that mean? What is salt supposed to do? Salt adds flavor. Now quickly, if we can, put yourself at your school. Put yourself in your job. Put yourself in your marriage or with your children or with your relationships. Do you add flavor or do you make it taste bad? We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Salt, we are to remain pure, which is kind of an oxymoron. You got to be pure to remain pure. Are you pure? What's so good is you could come in here completely nasty, full of sin. But if you'll come to the cross of Jesus, if you will repent, you know what repent means? It means to say, God, I've done wrong. Forgive me. And you turn. For what you, from what you've been doing, and you start walking correctly. You know what? You can be made pure. It's the too good to be true gospel. Where we can walk in full of sin and walk out completely clean. Only by the blood of Jesus. You can't work your way clean. You have to receive what Jesus has done. But if you will receive, you will become pure. And you will be an asset to your marriage, to your life, to your work. To your church. Let's go back. Do you add flavor to the church or do you take away flavor? You just sitting there sucking the life out of it or are you putting life into it? Or are you doing nothing? You know what God likes about, you know what God says about doing nothing? He vomits it up. He doesn't like lukewarm. He likes hot or cold. Boy, this is good. <laughs> uh, this is just a this is just a gift for second service. First service didn't get that. 
<laughs> All right, I'll move on before I start sweating. Remain pure. Create thirst. We went to LTAP again this weekend, and what happens is what happens when you eat one chip? You want another one. One won't satisfy. Why? It's because of the salt. The salt draws you. You know, do people desire to see you or do they run from you? That's a good description of whether you're salt or not. Do they want more or are they pretty satisfied with one little moment with you? You are to create thirst. People can't wait to see you. There's something about you that is that people are drawn to. Do you contribute? Or do you take away? Everybody that's married, those of you in marriage, do you contribute to the marriage or do you take away from it? With your kids, with your job. Causes pain. Everybody say, yeah, that's me. No, it's not the kind of pain that we're talking about. The healthy kind of pain that doesn't mind to tell truth to somebody when they're really hurting, when they really trust you, that helps, that helps them, not hurts them. And then finally, it melts, it uh, preserves life. I keep getting ahead of myself. You know, we're not to go out here and kill everybody that's unsaved. We're not to go beat them down and make them feel terrible. We're supposed to love on them. We're not supposed to make them feel guilty for what they're walking through. God doesn't bring on guilt. There is therefore no condemnation. God doesn't bring on guilt. God reveals to you that you're just messing up and that there is a better way. Without making you feel low. Then finally it melts. It removes ice. You, all you got to do is just throw a little bit of salt out here on the road. And it will start to melt. The ice will start to melt. We are to soften those hard hearts. By being salt. And light. But quickly now if we can. What does light mean? What is light useful for? Number one. It shines in darkness. You know, it is such a phenomenon that when light comes on, darkness disappears. Have you ever thought about that? You go into a completely pitch dark room and you shine some light and the darkness gets removed. That's that's what you should be when you go to work. You may work in a dark spot. Well, it's not dark when you show up. You are to be a light shiner. We're going to go into this a little bit more. Light remains visible. You know, once light is shining, you know, once the once the sun pops up, we see it. It doesn't go away. Once a flashlight's turned on in complete darkness, you can see that flashlight. You can see that light in that darkness. What else does light do? It burns brightly. What else? It melts ice. You know, it's kind of a funny thing that it doesn't have to be 32 degrees for ice to melt. But if it's cloudy, the ice doesn't melt very quickly. Have you ever noticed sometimes that, you know, it'll be 20 degrees and the streets are covered. The kids will say, you think we'll be out of school? Yeah, you'll be out of school. But the sun comes out. And even though it stays below freezing, because that sun's out, that ice melts. Light, light melts ice. But finally, what else does it do? Has anybody talked about the fact the sun's been shining the last couple of days? What does it do to you? It puts a smile on your face. Light brings happiness. How many here has been a little bit happier since the sun has finally shone? 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for a little bit of warmth. <laughs> That's what we desire here at Church on the Hill. When you show up at church, do you bring happiness? Do you create thirst? When you go to your work, when you go home after working all day, do you bring happiness? Sociologist tells us that leadership is influence. This may blow your mind, but sociologists also have said that you individually will influence about 10,000 people in your life. You. You individually will impact, will influence about 10,000 people. What would happen if we use that influence for the kingdom of God? We wouldn't be able to stop revival in our city. Recently, we've been trying to impact our community. I don't know if you realize it, but you know, like, like with salt, salt has to be given. Salt, we have to have salt, and then we've got to kind of throw salt out. We've got, to, we've got to have something to offer. And we as a church in the last six months have been trying to impact our community. Do you, do you remember back in October, we went to the, was it, when was it? It was, it was December. In, in December, we went to uh, the Christmas parade, 60 of us, adults, youth, and went out and just went out to pick up trash. Just came out to help clean up. We weren't necessarily evangelizing. We didn't take tracks. We, some of us did have vests on that said church on the hill. And if people wanted prayer, we prayed with them. But I didn't have on. I had on a vest that said clean commission. And people have laughed. They thought that I was an inmate out there uh, serving the community. You know, and they'd see me. I had my hood on. I was not trying to go in incognito, but I wasn't also flashing. Hey, here's the pastor of church on the hill. No, I just want your trash. And they'd look at me like, who is this person coming next to me and grabbing my trash? And then they'd recognize me and they're like, what are you doing? And I just said, just give me your trash. Can I have your trash? Yeah, okay. But you know what that was? We, we impacted, we not only impacted the clean commission, we impacted the, who's the, comp- the group that we worked with? This chamber of commerce. But then we started getting comments from the community. What did we do? We just went out. We were just salt getting in the ground a little bit. With nothing in it for us. We were just going out there just to try to pick up trash. Then with last month we did a code drive. And we got all kinds of community impact from that code drive. We didn't go in there expecting community impact. But that's how God works. You start giving, you start throwing salt out. We had uh, the unchurched wanting to participate, wanting to give coats, wanting to give money. And the Lord has blessed us through it. We've given money to Haiti. We're taking up shoes. We're trying to impact that. We have tried to go and impact. We have not just tried. We have impacted uh, countries like Uganda. But, you know, the prayer isn't that we become the biggest, uh, biggest congregation in the world, but that God will give us influence in our city. God will give us influence in our state that the church would start to influence rather than the world influence the church. We are the light. There is no light if we're not here. We are the salt. The church is supposed to make a difference. Now, we looked at four aspects of this text from Matthew 5, 13. Aspect number number one, I'm going to quickly go through these because we did these last time. The presupposition was corruption and darkness. Do you remember last two weeks ago, I said, go get the headlines of the newspaper. Go get it today. I don't know what's in it today, but go read the headlines. 
negative negativity. People getting hurt. Children getting hurt. The community going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, health care. You know, all of a sudden we're getting divided. I don't want to talk politics, but it's easy to get upset. And it, it, it impacts everybody, regardless of which side you're on. Which side you're on. Come on. Politics. I, silly. But then the next part was the plan that we are to impact our society, being salt and light. But today, the third aspect is the problem or the threat of failure. Pastor, what do you mean? Matthew 5, he is talking to the church. You are to be salt and light, but that we have the opportunity to be untasty salt. He's talking to believers, right? He's not saying to the unbeliever, you're the salt and you're the light, right? He's saying to the believer and the believer is the church, right? We're the church, but we can be untastely salt. How many knows that the, the church at times has been untastely? Is that a word? Untasteful, distasteful. I don't know. Untastely. <laughs> you can Google it while I'm sitting here. That's yeah. Okay. Um, but the church can miss it, right? We cannot be light. We, we, we have a tendency sometimes to not be light. You know, there are three cases in scripture um, that shows us where God had to weed out what you would call a spiritual cancer. In Acts 5, there was a cancer of hypocrisy with Ananias and Sapphira. I encourage you to just go back and read over those. In James 1, there was a cancer of immorality in the church. People make mistakes. And then there was a cancer of unrepentance in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We need to ask ourselves, church on the hill, are we tasty? Are we light? You know, this thing that uh, Elizabeth and Sharon Elliott and Barb Olinghouse and our outreach team are trying to do, are trying to give food to the hungry. We had a family come in this week that was desperate just for milk today. Had to have it right now. We don't realize the kind of condition that families are in right now. And we don't have to over-spiritualize them. We just need to feed them. Just feed them. Let that ice melt. Let that heart melt just a little bit. And we may not be the ones that reap that harvest. They might wind up going back to their home church. Praise God. But with this food drive, be salt. Be light. Be a part of it. Do something. Be tasty. But finally, did you catch what that scripture said at the end? The scripture said, so that your light may shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your father. What's going to happen when we're salt and light? It will glorify God. You will bring glory to the father. That is the full intense intent of being salt and light to bring glory to God so that men and women will see our saltiness that would truly make a change in our society. There was an article written by Jack Hayford, and I feel like it, it hits this just right. If you would just go with me on this for just a second. The call of the, does everybody know who Jack Hayford is? If you have the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, he's the one that did that is the author of the commentary uh, of this Bible that I teach out of, the New King James Spirit-Filled Life Bible is uh, Jack Hayford. Anyway, the call of the church has never been to a political, 
is never, the call of the church has never been to be a political analyst. We are called to be a cultural catalyst who will act as salt and light in society. But there are dangers. Salt, if you use too much, becomes embittering. But if you sprinkle it, it flavors. And light is annoying if it glares in your face. Anybody ever gone to a restaurant or been at home and you take the salt and you're putting some on your food and all of a sudden the lid falls off? Can you recover the food? It it ruins it. You would think as good as salt is that it would just make it that much better, but it doesn't. It ruins it. Have you ever had somebody come and shine a, shine a flashlight in your eyes this far away, like a million candle-powered flashlight right here? What is it? It's annoying. Get that out of my face. My wife and I sometimes will wake up our kids in the morning. Normally, it's my wife. My children would probably prefer my wife because she goes in and says, Good morning. It's time to wake up. Everybody wake up. Good morning. It's time to get up. Okay. When I go in, I turn the light on. (laughs) And I say, it's time to get up. Open your eyes. I want to see your eyes and acknowledge that you're up. Is that pretty accurate? And they'll go. Okay. I want to see you. It's annoying. My intent in that morning is to be annoying. What happens when you get annoyed when when you're waking up? You wake up. Your mind starts working and you wake up. The good morning, it's time to wake up kind of means, no, you don't really have to wake up. Just go back to sleep. (laughs) Everybody's like, oh, no, they, they get up. I don't do it often. I do it on Fridays a lot. My day off is Friday and I'll go be the joy of their life on Friday morning. (laughs) But you know... When you go into your work, you don't want to be a light that is annoying. You don't want to be in there condemning people, making them feel guilty. You know, that's why they don't come to church to begin with. Because the the church says one thing and does something else. Makes you feel guilty for what you're doing, but then at home we're doing the same thing. That's where that remaining pure is. We need to be a people of integrity, but be people to love. Not throwing it in their face. A light is annoying if it glares in your face. In fact, you try to push it away. But if you let the warm glow of light show, people will come to it. He said he didn't think. He didn't think Jesus called us to rub salt in the wounds in the world's wounds or to shine a light right at their face. He called us to be a warm glow, a sprinkle of salt. I'm not called to be morally indignant. I'm called to be spiritually vibrant. You are to, I I want you to want me to be around. I want to add to our relationship, not take away from it. I want to add, I want you, I want you to, to, to be a person that wants to add. The Lord wants you to add to. Not take away. The real world word here for integrity is it comes from a Latin word, sinceros, where we get the word sincerity. Now, if you uh, potters would bake jars, uh, you know, you would uh, throw them in the uh, 
Potters would fire jars and ovens. And if you're too hasty, the jars would come out cracked with cracks in them. And it was commonly this word sinceros also means sincerity also means without wax. So you take these jars and you would fire them. And if you got in too big of a hurry, they would come out with cracks in them. So in order to repair them, they take wax and fill it in. But every now and then, if you took the right time, was diligent in your timing, the jar would come out without cracks, complete, whole, valuable, sincere, a vessel of integrity with no cracks. It's a whole vessel. That's what God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be like the world. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be beautifully different. Not odd or abnormal or disgusting or pushy. He wants us to be beautifully different. There's a story about a man named Joe. Joe was a drunk. Joe was a man that was away from the Lord, but wound up coming to the Lord dramatically. Was saved, asked Jesus into his heart, but he continued to hang around those people that, that, he had, that he had become accustomed to. Always spent time at the rescue mission. And hung around drunks, knowing how to love on them and how to care for them. And he would just be there for them, just be there to talk to them. And wound up leading a lot of men to the Lord. And one Sunday, he was at the rescue mission and there was an evangelistic service like a Sunday night, like our rescue mission has every Sunday night. And there was an evangelistic message and a man, an alcoholic, a, a, a downtrodden person, somebody that just can't get a break anywhere, came forward to the altar, sobbing, crying. And one of the altar ministers came up and said, what could I pray for you for? And The man said, I want to be like Joe. And the altar minister knew, knew Joe, knew what great things he had been doing, but he wound up responding. He said, no, I think you got it wrong. You want to be like Jesus. And the drunk, the man that was up there sobbing said, is Jesus like Joe? The people you encounter at work, you may be the only Jesus they ever get. This man wanted what Joe had. This man knew he had been hurt, knew he had been down, knew he was a man just like him. But something was different. And it wasn't because Joe was throwing, throwing God in his face all the time. He just hung out with them and loved on them and encouraged them and helped them get out of what they were going through. And out of that relationship, Joe was able to share God with them. Did you catch that? Out of relationship. The world doesn't know Jesus. The world has been trained to reject Jesus. But you're you, the church. They may never come in the church, but the church goes to them. You are the church. The church is not this building. You are. And the church goes to work every single day. You may be the only Jesus they ever get. Throw a little salt. Be a light. Be a light. Can you see how easily we can impact our city? You individually can impact. Our city for the kingdom of God. You. Everybody say you. You. Let's go. When it's time to fight, it's time to fight. And it's time to fight.
it's time to tell the world you're not winning anymore. We're going to spread some salt and we're going to spread some light. It's God's word. He's going to honor it and he's going to help you. He's going to make you tasty. Those that aren't tasty, he's going to make tasty. You know what? That's me. Without God, I am not tasty at all. Terrible. But with God, I'm tasty. Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, I ask you to help us. Help us to do something, Lord. Help us to be salt and light in our community. Help us to continue to to stop draining the community. But start adding to. Start contributing to. Help us to stop draining our marriage. But start contributing to it. Help us to stop draining the church, but contributing to it, adding salt and light. And Lord, let us be like a chip, not fattening, not trans fat, but Lord, salty. Salty that they desire the next one and the next one and the next one. You know, if you're in complete darkness... And there's a little speck of light somewhere. You know what? You're drawn to it. It makes you want to go to it. You have no hope anywhere else you look. But wherever the light is, you're drawn to it. And you know what? The Lord will lead those people to the light. Be the light. 